The Boston Red Sox have had what some would say an underwhelming offseason so far, but can they do anything to change that mentality before the season starts? Find out on Locked On Red Sox. You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gabby Hurlbut, former ESPN social media associate and current host of the Boston Balling Podcast as well. And I am here to bring you the latest in all things Boston Red Sox, Monday through Friday, straight to your favorite podcast feed for free. And honestly, if it's free, you might as well take advantage of it right so start your day off the right way with lockdown red Sox, part of the lockdown podcast network your team every day today's episode is brought to you by fanduel make every moment more new customers join today and you'll get 200 in bonus bets if your first bet of five dollars or more wins visit fanduel.com locked on to get started Welcome to another episode of the show today where we're one day closer to spring training and sitting here wondering if the Red Sox have any other moves in mind to help improve this roster before the season starts. And I am here with somebody who could give us a little more insight into this topic and covers the Red Sox for Mass Live. Christopher Smith, how are you doing today? Good. How are you, Gabby? I'm doing well, and I really appreciate you uh, hopping on here and taking the time to speak with me. Anytime. So, obviously, you know, like I mentioned before, this offseason has been one that I think for a lot of fans has been considered a bit of a letdown, especially with this whole full throttle thing and what they've been saying as an organization about how they were going to approach this offseason. And I think people were expecting a lot more to be done to – improve this roster than what's been done so far and I'm looking at the current roster and still seeing some holes so what's your thoughts on how their offseason has been going so far yeah so I mean you know you look at it and they have a worse roster right now than they did you know on the final day of last season I mean you can look at it and they said their their main priority this offseason was to improve the starting pitching they've you know taken Chris Sale and traded him. They have not re-signed James Paxton and all they've done is, is added, you know, Luis Giolito. So, I mean, you're, you're trading out two starting pitchers for one and you really haven't improved. I thought that they were going to go get two or three starting pitchers. Uh, and so it's, it's, you know, baffling in, in a way, like, you know, what were they thinking at the beginning of the off season as opposed to what actually transpired? Um, did Craig Breslow know that he was going to be on, you know, a certain budget? Um, and there is a budget. I mean, you know, you look at it and they were about a 225, 225 million last year uh, on their CBT payroll. And, you know, that was below the three, 233, uh, $233 million, you know, base threshold. And the base threshold has gone up to 237 million this year. And they plan to be they plan to be below that number that they were last year. So they plan to be below 225 million. So I don't know how much further below, but right now they're at about 200 million. 
And so like, you know, they have 25, maybe million of wiggle room, or maybe they only have 20. We don't know the exact payroll. I've heard that, you know, it could be lower than, you know, you would even think. And so, um, you know, so I don't know how much wiggle room they have is, uh, you know, in terms of their budget, but it's just very confusing. I mean, you also look at, you know, the offense is not as good as it was last year at this on this date uh, that it was on the final day of the season. I mean, you get rid of Verdugo. Verdugo had his ups and downs, but, you know, he was one of their better hitters last year. He could have made the all-star team. Uh, he fell off in the second half. But um, and then, you know, you you uh, Justin Turner was such an important bat to that lineup. And so, you know, he's gone. And so, you you know, you bring in some guys, but you bring in Tyler O'Neill, who he's been on the IL 12 times in his career. And so like, you're, you're relying on a guy that's been on the IL consistently and, you know, guys like Abreu and potentially, you know, so Abreu played a month. I mean, do we like, it's a very small sample size. Will Middlebrooks, you know, was really good in 2012 when he paid, played three months. Um, he wasn't as good the next year when he played a full season. I'm not saying Abreu is not going to be a really good hitter someday. I'm just saying it's a lot to put on somebody that's so young. Uh, and then if Tyler O'Neill gets hurt, like he has continuously, then you might have to rely on two guys, you know, like, you know, that are, haven't had much major league experience at all in Abreu and Rafaela. And so, you know, it's just confusing to me. I think they do still need to add an outfielder that can rotate through that DH spot too. Um, but right now it's kind of just confusing. Like you say full throttle at the beginning of the off season, and this is an, the, the exact opposite. Yeah. And I am wondering, do they understand what full throttle means? Do they think it means something different than what the rest of us think it means? And, you know, you mentioned Justin Turner and, it's definitely disappointing to me seeing the deal that he signed with the Blue Jays and just saying, why would the Red Sox not really be interested in bringing him back? Because then reports were saying that Justin Turner and his camp reached out to the Red Sox, but they weren't really interested in a conversation. And I am such a big JT fan. I think from just a leadership standpoint and obviously his productivity on the field, made the Red Sox a better team last year. And he was just such a big piece of what the Red Sox did last year. And that's a huge piece of the lineup that they haven't really made up for, nor does it seem like they're planning to replace that productivity in the lineup. And this whole philosophy Breslow has of rotating through the DH spot and just switching different position players into that role instead of having kind of somebody who's more of a consistent DH. What do you think of that philosophy? Do you think that's something that could work for them? Because I haven't seen a whole lot of teams really have that mindset. Yeah. So, I mean, you look at the one year the Red Sox tried to do that. It was between, you know, David Ortiz retiring in 2016 and the Red Sox getting J.D. Martinez in 2018. And why did they get J.D. Martinez in 2018? I mean, the whole lineup was down. Mookie Betts' worst year with the Red Sox really was 2017, where he didn't have, you know, some of the protection in the lineup with, you know, David Ortiz or J.D. Martinez. His, his AL MVP, uh, you know, campaign, uh, uh, Mookie Betts, 
came when they got JD Martinez, you know, so like a big bat like that takes, you know, it, it takes the pressure off certain guys like Devers and, you know, and, and so it makes everybody, it makes the lineup more complete. So, um, yeah, I mean, and, you know, as I said, they're relying on some young guys. I mean, Vaughn Gersom too. I mean, like, you know, he's at second base and he's only really played, you know, a very limited amount of, you know, time in, in major league baseball. And so, um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, they're relying a lot on what they have internally instead of, you know, what they could have gotten. And, and it's funny, like, you know, you look at, you know, at, at winter weekend, Sam Kennedy was like, you know, the right time, like they'll, they'll, they'll spend when the time is right. Well, you know, you look at it and what were their two worst teams that you've seen for the Red Sox have, you know, over the past you know decade and a half, it was 2012 and 2020 in both years after they, you know, they won the world series the year after 2012 and they made the ALCS the year after 2020 and it was because they went out and spent. So why is this the wrong time? You can quickly fix things. And they were in the, the AL wildcard, you know, contention for a while. I know because I actually applied for, you know, credentials. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I mean, I wasn't expecting it, but I were, they were close enough that I was like, well, I've got to apply, right? And yeah. so, um, you know, so I do have my um, my BBWA credential. It's hanging up somewhere around here. My my four year old daughter wears it around the house all the time. It has not been used, uh, but it's the postseason of two thousand and twenty three that that uh, <laughs> it's somewhere around here. But um, yeah. So like you know, I mean, I, you can you know you can fix things really quick. And like you know, the way that they did that in two thousand and twelve into two thousand twenty. 2013 wasn't by signing a bunch of guys to, you know, long-term deals. I mean, like, you know, Victorino, Napoli, those were three, three-year deals. I mean, you know, reasonable deals, you know, they got Gomes and Dempster on short deals. I think Dempster's was two. And so why can't you do that, you know, with this team? Um, you know, I like, why can't you make the Giolito signing like a couple more of those instead of just the, you know, Lucas Giolito, you know, so that like, that's, that's what's confusing, like, is that there were guys on this market um, to Oscar Hernandez. Like, you know, they there were people that could have helped out the team that you wouldn't have had to pay for four or five, six years. They could have made the team, like, if you think, you know, the core right here, I mean, yeah, you're you're looking at guys like, you know, Roman Anthony and, and Kyle Teal and, you know, uh, Marcelo Meyer. They're, they're a year away. Um so you're kind of looking at, well, maybe we'll spend when they're ready and stuff like that. But you do have a pretty good base that's in the major leagues right now that if you had spent a little money, you would have been competitive this year. And I just I don't look at their roster right now as competitive. However, that could change if, you know, Garrett Whitlock goes out there and becomes, you know, a number two starter. And, you know, uh, Bayo progresses from where he was last year and. Pavetta comes back to where he was in the second half, like when he changed a lot of things in his, you know, repertoire and, you know, different, you know, things in his, in his game and mechanics and stuff like that. And maybe he's a dominant pitcher. So there is a chance, right? Like we don't know, but right now it just doesn't look like they're going to be competitive when you compare them to, you know, say the Yankees who went out and made big deals, right? They got Soto and, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of complex, uh, you know, it's kind of confounding, like what, what's kind of gone on. Yeah. I mean, with the division they're in, 
and the fact that they finished in last place in that division three out of four years, you would think that there was some urgency there to try to make similar types of moves to be able to compete with this division. And you look at just this roster right now, and there's a lot of things that have to go right in order for them to be competitive. And I think they're almost relying too heavily on those things all going right to be able to be a team that can compete with the other teams in the A at least, or really anybody in general. And that scares me a little bit because there's a lot of what ifs that come with that. Yeah. And so you look at it like, you know, you, you would have thought that they would have spent money this off season because of the three, you know, last place finishes in four years or whatever, but also to get Craig Breslow's tenure off to a good start. Like you don't want yeah. fans being like, Oh, this is just, um, Heim Bloom 2.0, which I heard, you know, or which somebody yelled at the winter weekend when he came out, you know? And so like, you should have given him the opportunity to spend some money here and, you know, and, and you're, you're looking at, I was actually saying this to my father yesterday, like you're, you're looking at like, um, the important thing is talent evaluation of like start you know, starting pitching. You know, they got Breslow cause they want to get, you know, the pitching on track and build this infrastructure. Uh, if you don't give them the, the money to do it, like maybe he thinks Jordan Montgomery is the right guy. Uh, maybe he doesn't, but does he have the money to make that decision? Right? Like, you know, he, he, there's been, you know, does he have the money? Is he allowed to make the money on the call of Blake Snell? He might really like Blake Snell, but that's not within their budget. So are they giving him really the ability to do what he's supposed to do in evaluating the free agent talent? Because, you know, at the end of the day, they, you know, they're set a budget and he doesn't like, even if he likes the guy, even if he really likes the guy, they can't really get him because, you know, they're not allowing him to, to, you know, make the calls and, and do what he they've asked him to do. They're basically, the focus is more on like, you know, build from within the pitchings, you know, get fix what's there and in, in, in the minor leagues, then instead of like, you know, you like two pitchers on the market that cost some money. Well, you can go out and get them. Yeah. I'm hard pressed to blame Breslow for a lot of what's gone on. And I really feel like it's more his higher ups and they need to give him the freedom to do what he feels is necessary to improve this roster. And who knows really if it's, more his philosophy or them but either way it's definitely been a disappointing offseason so far for sure and coming up we're going to be talking about a minor move the red sox did make after about a month of zero action so i'm going to be getting chris's thoughts on that next passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. 
I'm telling you, I know nothing about cars, but eBay Motors is an absolute lifesaver. So if you're anything like me, it's definitely for you too. You also should subscribe to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube because we've actually launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. So basically what this means is we are here for you covering all the top sports stories of the day 24-7, no matter where you are. We're the only network that has this as of right now. So head to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to that channel. So in speaking about the Red Sox offseason and what they've done so far or lack thereof, there hasn't been a whole lot to talk about or get excited about with this team. And a few hours ago, they made a small move that to me is more of a depth move in the outfield. They claimed Romy Gonzalez off waivers and then DFA'd pitcher Zach Weiss in the process. And... Again, this is a minor move, but this is where we're at with the Red Sox right now in talking about moves that they do make. Um, so what are your thoughts on this move? Do you think he's somebody that's going to primarily spend time in AAA? Or do you think that he has a shot to compete for a roster spot? Because what's interesting about him is he's played a variety of different positions um, so he could be somebody that they kind of play around with if need be, and he could fill in maybe in the infield or the outfield. Yeah. I mean, you look at his minor league career, Andrew's major league career, he started at every position, uh, you know, except for catcher. Um, so, you know, every infield position, every outfield position. So obviously, you know, the versatility is great, uh, right-handed bat, they need that, but I mean, he, look at it and one of the big things Breslow said too in terms of uh at the first introductory press conference what do you need starting pitching a right-handed bat I mean you know Grissom's a right-handed bat but really they have not done anything he said he was going to do uh you know so I mean this guy you know uh, I've really not known know too much about him until today uh you know I mean look at he's uh you know he's he's got uh you know, a 258 career hitter in the minors, 338, uh, you know, on base percentage, 222 in a limited time in, in MLB for a batting average. I mean, I just think that this is just a depth move. And he's one of those guys that's like the, you know, the 38th, 39th, 40th guy on the roster where if you get, you know, somebody better comes up on waivers, then you can replace him with him. He'd be the first one to go. So, I mean, yeah, I would look at him right now as, yeah, he could compete for a spot, a utility spot, but more, most likely he's going to, uh, you know, be at Worcester or, you know, to start the season or, you know, they find somebody better, ultimately. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting situation where they're at right now, especially in the outfield, because there's still some things they need to figure out with that outfield. I've been in the spot for a while of thinking they should move Yoshida to more of a DH type of role because his defense was a problem last year. And if they're trying to improve the defense overall as a team and look for somebody who can, you know, play more of a DH type of person that maybe fills in in the outfield sometimes, Yoshida to me is that guy. And then they can kind of make their starting outfield a little bit clearer but it just seems like there's, you know, not a whole lot of direction right now in terms of who they want to start in the outfield and what that's actually going to look like. 
come opening day? Because you already mentioned his name, Abreu. This is somebody that has such a small sample size. And yes, it was a good small sample size. I really liked what I saw from him when he did get that opportunity last year. But we have no idea if that's actually how he is going to be as a player. Um, so it's definitely, you know, a questionable outfield all around. And you look at guys like Tyler O'Neill. you mentioned with the injuries. I really like Duran. I'm hoping he continues to improve in that way but they need to figure out something with this outfield and you know my high hope positive side was hoping that they would have added um a marquee name in the outfield by now and then that just hasn't happened so i'm just kind of wondering you know yes this is probably a depth move you might not see any time on the field but is this the only solution that they see to kind of figure out this outfield problem? And they're going to say, you know, we added somebody as a depth move and we have somebody that can fill in in the outfield if need be. So we should be all set now. Yeah. I think they'll still be in the market for another outfielder. I, um, Duvall obviously the potential of coming back. And so, um, but you know, you look at it and you make an interesting point about your sheet of being the DH. I mean, you, know, you look at Suzuki with uh, the Cubs between his first year and second year in uh, you know Major League Baseball, and the numbers went up significantly. Um, with with uh, you know with with um, Yoshida, um, you know he had a great first half, right? Like you know we I remember being in Chicago when they were playing at Wrigley Field to begin the second half, and we were talking about like this guy's insane, like what he's doing, um, and you know he had had like multi-hit streaks like games you know consecutive games of multi-hit streaks no one had done it since ted williams in the red sox organization or something and we were asking questions about that then he tails off obviously and i think that you know the whole um you know the whole the whole season the traveling is a lot more intense um you know the schedule is more intense than in japan and so uh you know i think that he wore down i think he'll be able to train properly knowing certain things that went on this year. And I think he will have a better year offensively. He'll be more for the full season. I think what you see Yoshida, what he was in the first half last year. Uh, and so I would say, yeah, that that's a good idea. You know, putting him at the DH spot. I mean, like, you know, you look at Tyler O'Neill and he's won two gold gloves. They've, he's primarily, I mean, not primarily, he's played almost all of his career in left field. And so, you know, I mean, are you just going to uh, – Femway – right field at Femway is very tough, you know, and if you haven't played these, this position. And Abreu's got a, gr a really good strong arm, but um, I wouldn't say he's the best defensive, you know, outfielder yet. And so, you know, you're looking at him. Is he the right fielder? And, you know, does that – how does your defense look when you have that? And so – um you know, so it, it's very difficult to know, like, how they're going to, at this point, like, it's 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 interesting to, like, look and see, like, what what could they do? Like, are they going to put Tyler O'Neill a lot in left field and, and where he's, you know, been and, and, you know, put Yoshida at the DH spot or, you know, are they going to put O'Neill in right field and, you know, different things like that and or and rotate more through the DH spot. And, you know, I, I really don't have – uh, you know, I think that I actually asked Cora this question at winter weekend. I was just like, you know, you've got so many, do you guys feel like you're, you're banking too much or relying too much on, 
you know, guys that are young and inexperienced, um, you know, trading Verdugo and stuff and, you know, not bringing a bat to replace, uh, you know, uh, Turner. As I said, that makes it a very difficult situation for guys like Abreu. You know, they're forced to have, you know, maybe 400, 500 plate appearances this year. And, and so it's like, well, you know, are you guys relying too much on that? And they think that they know what they have in these players. Um, but maybe that's just them being positive. And, <laughs> uh, but I do think that they will probably, I, I, I would, I would be surprised if they didn't add a, uh, another outfielder. Uh, Duvall obviously is the name. Um, Solaire still is on the market, right? But I just don't, I don't just don't see him being a fit because of the money that he's going to demand. Yeah, I mean, they really should and kind of have to at this point in order for me to feel a little bit better about the roster. There definitely is potential there for sure. I'm excited to see, you know, Casas, the season he has in 2024. Bayo, another guy who is definitely um, developing in the right way and has so much potential. I feel and I'm excited to see Andrew Bailey come in and work with this pitching staff. I think that was a great hire by the Red Sox. Um, but like you said, obviously they see something in these current guys on the roster that gives them confidence that it's going to be a better season than we're thinking it's going to be because of the development of some of those guys. And obviously, you know, hopefully we get a fully healthy season of Trevor Story because if he's healthy, that'll help the infield defense out significantly because obviously last year the infield defense was a major problem and he does help the infield defense significantly when he's out there. And Vaughn Grissom's an interesting player to me because he's somebody who, you know, we don't really know yet how he's going to look in a Red Sox uniform and how he's going to perform. But obviously they see something again in him that they can work with. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, you know, Trevor's story is going to be extremely important to, for him to stay healthy this year for a full year and, and be, you know, that shortstop. And, you know, it, it should give them more stability up the middle. I mean, they used so many second base, different second basemen, so many different shortstops last year to just have Grissom and, you know, story there on a regular basis that, you know, solidifies the defense, you know, somewhat more. And obviously um, story will help out with range of, you know, Devers and everything at third base. And he's just like, you know, it's just really impressive defender just watching him and the ability to just throw on the run and, you know, get to balls and then throw on the run. So, you know, it's, it's, it's that, but when you bring up like the starting pitching too, and then the relying on like, you know, guys like Whitlock and all that. Um, the thing that we've seen is, is that like, you know, we, it's, it's unfortunate, like, you know, how gets hit in the face with the baseball and we don't get to see a full year of what he can do in the rotation. Um, he takes a large, you know, obviously had to take a large period off and then, you know, what could he have done if he had kept going, you know, last year, what could we, we have not seen Whitlock, you know, full year. Like he, it's just, you know, like in that, that, that hinders them, like their, their progress and stuff that they haven't, you know, been able to get a foot. I mean, between with, with um, Whitlock as looking at it the other day is like, you know, between the hip, you know, and all these different things, like we haven't really seen a healthy, 
you know, Whitlock in the, in the rotation for a full, you know, season or even an extended period. And so like, you know, I mean, like it's going to be, is, you know, it's so important that these guys stay healthy and just show what they can actually do. Cause we don't really have an idea of what they can do for a full season. Yeah. I mean, Garrett Whitlock, especially from what I've seen of him pitching, I've, been more along the lines of I like him better out of the bullpen than I like him in the rotation. I think he has really good stuff and it's better when he's not expected to pitch a lot of innings in a game. I think his stuff is best suited for like, you know, a two, maybe three inning type of reliever role. I just think that's where he's suited best. But again, like you said, it's hard to fully evaluate his time in the rotation because he hasn't really had a fair chance to show if he's capable of being a consistent full-time starter. Yeah, I would agree with you in that like Whitlock stuff is probably like if you look at obviously if you look at the splits, I mean they're significantly better as a reliever than they are yeah. as a starting pitcher. And so, you know, obviously he's shown a lot more out of the bullpen. And I would have gone into this offseason more if I was the Red Sox saying, okay, uh, Whitlock, you know, will he's going to be in the bullpen next year. Uh, you know, he's rotation depth if we need it, right? Like instead of, you know, relying on him to be a starting pitcher, it's just very surprising. They did and with Hauk too. I mean, I think Hauk's stuff, actually his stats were very good when he was in the eighth and ninth inning. Uh, he was closing for a stretch. Um, he actually has, I, I think his ERA is like just over four in the rotation. So, but you know, he, so he has pitched pretty well in the rotation when he's been in there, but you know, it's innings with him. Like, you know, he's not, he doesn't get deep into games and stuff like that. And, and as I said, like last year, it's difficult when you come back from a two month stretch or whatever, where you're not pitching to then go deep into games. Right. So it's not completely his fault, but you know, young pitchers struggle with this. I remember John Lester struggling with it at a time getting deep into games when he first, you know, started out. And so, um, you know, it's interesting. I would I look at those guys as probably better bullpen guys. I actually, if you would say who's the best young starter in the rotation, uh, I would say Cutter Crawford. Um, you know, like over a guy that was a first round pick in Hauk and you know Whitlock, who has showed so much potential. Uh, I would still say that that Cutter Crawford has the stuff and the ability to kind of like you know give you six and be a good you know, back-end starter as opposed to the other two, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe they'll show out this year, and, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of we'll see, and that's what worries me the most because that was definitely the philosophy last year, too, especially with the starting rotation, just lots of question marks, and there still are question marks. So because of that, coming up, we're going to be just giving our prediction on what we expect for – a record for the 2024 Boston Red Sox based on everything that we've talked about. Do you love sports betting? Is it like your favorite thing in the world or are you thinking about getting into it? If so, FanDuel is the place for you. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks and placing some super bets. 
I love Super Bowl Sunday. It's a great way to get together with friends, hang out, watch the game. The commercials are always funny. Hopefully Usher does a good job with the halftime show. And I just love football. So you can make any bet that you want on that game this year. I mean, an anytime touchdown, definitely Travis Kelsey's a safe choice. So there's a lot of different possibilities of things that you can make on FanDuel, which is great. That's why I love it as a sports betting app for you. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. I'm a big fan of FanDuel's, as is my fiance. He's won quite a bit of money using it, and he just got into it recently. So that could also be you. And also don't forget to subscribe to Lockdown Sports today on YouTube so you can have access to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. It's so much less time-consuming than having to catch up on all of your sports content on Twitter. So subscribe to that channel today, and you can get caught up on everything. Obviously, the 2024 Boston Red Sox and where they stand right now are not in the best spot in terms of feeling like they are going to be the most competitive team this year. So in talking about expectations for the upcoming season, what's kind of your general ballpark of how many games you think this team is going to win if they were to go into opening day with this roster and not make any more moves? So if you look at last year, as I said, they have a worse roster than last year. And, you know, as it is right now, and they won 78 games, 78 games last year. However, you know, that last month was a disaster. So that team was better than a 78, you know, win team uh, talent wise. I mean, they went 18 and uh, they went eight and 19 in September. They did win that one game in October. So, uh, so nine and 19 over the final month, you know, pretty much consistently throughout the year, uh, they were a 500 team. Uh, so, you know, you have to look at it in that respect. Like when you're comparing, you know, this team to last year's team and the talent and everything. So um, I think they'll get better pitching this year in terms of like, well, we don't know. Cause as I said, like, you know, Gilito is what they've added, but they've also subtracted sale and, you know, and, and Paxton. So, but I think that, you know, Bailey, the addition of Bailey is going to help that, you know, some of these guys figure things out and, even in the bullpen, you know, different things. I think that they'll they'll be a better pitching team than they were last year, both, you know, in the starting rotation and the bullpen. So I think they're pretty much the same team that they were last year. And that team wasn't a 78-loss team. If you, you know, things just went off the rails in September, they probably should have been an 82-83-84 win team. So I give this team like 83-84 wins, um, you know, or, yeah, uh, they're about just over 500 for me. And so uh, that's the way I look at it until they prove me otherwise. Then, you know, I, I just think that that's, they're going to be kind of, you know, they are what they are kind of a media mediocre team. Like they played from, you know, April through, you know, the end of August last year until they became a complete disaster the final month. Yeah. That final month of the season last year was such a drag. I was like, this is just such bad baseball. 
that I'm watching right now. And this is just so disappointing <laughs> because I was just at that point, like, all right, I'm ready for the season to be over so we can make some big changes here. And then, sure. you know, it's funny because the, the team that I root for the Syracuse basketball team is struggling right now. So I'm like, can we get to the end of the season to get to the transfer portal? I'm done with this season. I just want to see what next year looks like. And that's what I'm sure like Red Sox fans were thinking. And then they go in and if, if the, if Syracuse basketball does nothing in the transfer portal that, you know, excites me, that's what it's going to feel like. That's what Red Sox fans feel like right now. So it's like, you know, I totally understand it. It was like, you know, get to the end of the season um, and then see what a productive off season they could do. Uh, how they can improve this team, and they really have not. So it, it should be frustrating for fans. Oh, absolutely. Hopefully they can change our mentality, but I'm kind of with you. It's been frustrating for sure. Um, so we'll see what happens. But I really appreciate you sitting down and chatting with me today. Anytime. I will definitely uh, have you back on again. Hopefully it's about, uh, you know, a more positive outlook on the team at that point but only they can help us out with that all right well thank you very much for having me yeah thank you so much everyone thanks for tuning into the show as always go red Sox. i will catch you next time